0: Thoughts from Meharry Head, the weekly podcast where I talk about, well, whatever happens to be bouncing around inside my head at the moment, but mostly focusing on constitutional issues and political decentralization. This is episode 58 of Thoughts from Meharry Head, and I appreciate you tuning in. This week, I'm going to explain the anti-commandeering doctrine. So last week, I talked about James Madison's blueprint for dealing with federal overreach. And I explained that his main strategy involves refusal to cooperate with officers of the union. And if you haven't listened to that episode, I highly encourage you to do so because this week's episode is going to build on that. Because Every time you start talking about states taking any kind of action whatsoever to stop federal overreach or to try to do anything uh, contrary to the will of the great federal government, you automatically get a bunch of people claiming that, no, states can't do that because of the Supremacy Clause. and. We had an episode on the Supremacy Clause not too long ago, and, and I talked about the fact that you know the Supremacy Clause doesn't mean that the federal government can do whatever the heck it wants to. That's a ridiculous notion. But nevertheless, you always get these lawyers and legal experts and politicians who say, oh, well, we can't do anything at the state level because the federal government is supreme. But when it comes to a refusal to cooperate with officers of the union— we are actually standing on rock-solid legal ground. The truth of the matter is the federal government cannot force states or local governments to act against their will in support of a federal program or to enforce a federal law. This is actually supported by the Supreme Court. We have four Supreme Court precedents, or four Supreme Court opinions, I guess would be a better way to say it. that create what is known as the anti-commandeering doctrine. And this anti-commandeering doctrine gives us the legal foundation that we need to block almost any federal act or program simply by refusing state cooperation or refusing to use state resources. The anti-commandeering doctrine actually dates back all the way to 1842, and it was established in a case known as Prigg versus Pennsylvania, which was a Fugitive Slave Act case, and Joseph Story, who wrote the majority opinion, he was actually trying to expand national power with this decision, but he gave states a gift, and he established this idea that the federal government cannot force states to implement federal laws. This is what he wrote. The fundamental principle applicable to all cases of this sort would seem to be that where the end is required, the means are given. And where the duty is enjoined, the ability to perform it is contemplated to exist on the part of the functionaries to whom it is entrusted. The clause, meaning the Fugitive Slave Clause, is found in the national constitution and not in that of any state. It does not point out any state functionaries or any state action to carry its provisions into effect. The states cannot therefore be compelled to enforce them, and it might well be deemed an unconstitutional exercise of the power of interpretation to insist that the states are bound to provide a means to carry into effect the duties of the national government, nowhere delegated. Delegated or entrusted to them by the Constitution. So Prigg set the foundation, and three more cases actually built on that. In the early 1990s, the state of New York sued the feds, asserting that provisions in the Low Level Radioactive Waste Policy Amendments Act of 1985 there's a mouthful for you that these provisions were coercive and violated state sovereignty under the Tenth Amendment the court majority in New York versus United States, which was decided in 1992, actually agreed. And they held that, quote, because the act's take title provisions offers the states a choice between two unconstitutionally coercive alternatives, either accepting ownership of the waste or regulating according to Congress's instructions, the provision lies outside Congress's enumerated powers and is inconsistent with the 10th Amendment. So here we actually have a case Where the feds get it right. Sandra Day O'Connor wrote the majority opinion in this decision, and she said. As an initial matter, Congress may not simply commandeer the legislative processes of the states by directly compelling them to enact and enforce a federal regulatory program. So there you have the the commandeering language. And she later expounded on this point. She said, while Congress has substantial powers to govern the nation directly, including in areas of intimate concern to the states, the Constitution has never been understood to confer upon Congress the ability to require the states to govern accordingly. According to congress's instructions so that brings us to the key anti-commandeering case prince versus united states which was in 1997 and this one serves as the linchpin for the anti-commandeering doctrine um, some of you might know this as the sheriff matt case because he was uh, the other plaintiff and at issue was a provision in the brady gun bill if you remember that mess um and it required county law enforcement officers, basically your sheriffs, to administer part of the background check program in that bill. And Sheriff Prince and Max sued, arguing that the provisions unconstitutionally forced them to administer a federal program. Justice Scalia agreed, writing in the majority opinion, quote, it is apparent that the Brady Act purports to direct state law enforcement officers to participate, albeit by only temporarily, in the administration of a federally enacted regulatory scheme. Citing the New York case, the court majority declared this provision of the brady Gun Bill unconstitutional, and this really expanded the reach of the anti-commandeering doctrine and brought it into full form. This is what Scalia wrote, and this is key. He said, we held in New York that Congress cannot compel the states to enact or enforce a federal regulatory program. Today, we hold that Congress cannot circumvent that prohibition by conscripting the state's officers directly. The federal government may neither issue directives requiring the states to address particular problems, nor command the state's officers or those of their political subdivisions to administer or enforce a federal regulatory program. It matters not whether policy making is involved, and no case by case weighing of the burdens or benefits is necessary. Such commands are fundamentally incompatible with our constitutional system of dual sovereignty. So there you have it. The federal government can't. Conscript state officers; they can't compel the states to enforce a federal regulatory program. Basically, the federal government has to do these things by itself. It can't commandeer the states. So, there's one more case that's very important that we should mention real quick, and that's Independent Business versus Sebelius, which was the uh, Obamacare decision. And of course, it was awful on so many levels, but it actually did provide us one little nugget that is helpful for those of us who want to roll back federal power. And that is that the federal government cannot compel states to expand Medicaid by threatening to withhold funding for Medicaid programs already in place. And this addresses this uh, this objection we get. Well, if the states do anything to stop federal power, the federal government will just withhold its uh, funding. Well, it can't do that, not in a coercive way. Now, of course, it can withhold funding that is relevant to the thing the state's not doing. In other words, if the state's not enforcing a certain thing, then the federal government doesn't have to give it money to do the enforcement. But it can't take away highway funds just because the... Uh, the state decides not to enforce a gun law. So taken together, these four cases firmly establish a legal doctrine that holds that the federal government has no authority to force states to cooperate on implementing or enforcing its acts. This gives us great power. Now we just need to use it. Well, that's it for this episode of Thoughts from Meharry Head. We're another 10 minutes closer to freedom. I really appreciate you listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, please do me a favor and spread the word. And make sure you head over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast for free. If you have any thoughts or show ideas, feel free to email me at michael.meharry at 10th Amendment Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next week.